Sup, freaks? It's your boy Marty here to introduce this episode of Tales from the Crypt. I had the immense pleasure of sitting down with Elizabeth Prefontaine, who's been putting out some incredible content pertaining to Bitcoin on her blog, Octonomics. Uh, we had a far-ranging conversation about her uh, experience in the analog banking world before it went very digital. She started working, uh, I believe, when she was 11, if I, if I recall correctly, uh, and uh, has a lot of experience in the traditional finance world, particularly in Canada and Montreal, um, and has a lot of unique insights uh, into the the uh, lack of transparency within the banking and financial industry, particularly in Canada, um, the analog nature of the traditional sy- systems and how they compare to Bitcoin and how Bitcoin is just a huge uh, inflection point in terms of tech and uh, philosophy of how these systems shall be run. We should be run, shall be run. Uh, we also talk about um, political correctness, leaking into the boardroom, uh, and a bunch of other stuff, including how to define Bitcoin or why you should not attempt to define Bitcoin as anything other than a uh, scarce information space and messaging system. It is free speech at the end of the day. This episode of Tales from the Crypt is brought to you by the Cash App. You freaks know all about them. They're helping us do many things, and they're making sats the standard. All right, If you haven't seen this yet, uh, Miles Suter teased it the other day. Uh, Matt Odell confirmed it last night. Android users are now able to make sats the standard within the Cash App. You can stack sats, receive sats, send sats, sell sats if you so please. Uh, and soon they're going to be auto, excuse me, adding an auto buy function as well. Miles confirmed it in the same thread that he dropped. The sats the standard is here for Android users. Still waiting for it as an iOS user. I can't wait till that comes. On top of Stack stack stacking. I always mix this up. Always mix this up. On top of the sat stacking that you can do, you can also stack slivers of stonks now with Cash App Investing. If your favorite stonk is a little too expensive, even after this huge market downturn, Cash App Investing lets you buy as little as $1 of those stonks if you're buying on the way down. Uh, Because Cash App is directly connected to your bank account, there's no four to five day waiting periods. You can start investing today. Cash App Investing is uh, a subsidiary of Square and member SIPC. As always, when you download the app, make sure you use the code StackingSats. That's one word, S-T-A-C-K-I-N-G-S-A-T-S. You're going to get $10, and $10 is going to go to our good friends at Owls Lacrosse. Spread the word about this. All right? If you have friends that don't have the cash app, they're not listening, tell them to use the code StackingSats too because $10 is going to them, and then to Owls Lacrosse is just great. It's a great cause. Owls Lacrosse. Download the Cash App from your local app store today. And please enjoy this episode with Elizabeth Prefontaine. I know I certainly did. Take care. You've had a dynamic where money's become freer than free. If you talk about a Fed just gone nuts, all, all the central banks going nuts. So it's all acting like safe haven. I believe that in a world where central bankers are tripping over themselves to devalue their currency, Bitcoin wins. In the world of fiat currencies, Bitcoin is the victor. I mean, that's part of the bull case for Bitcoin. If you're not paying attention, you probably should be. Probably should be. Probably should be. 
What is up, freaks? Welcome back to Tales from the Crypt. It's your boy Marty Bent here for another quarantine episode of Tales from the Crypt. Uh, getting acclimated to the remote interviews. I prefer to do these in person. My guest uh, today, we were scheduled to meet in person, but the uh, the virus uh, got in the way, and we are both speaking from home now. I'd like to introduce you, freaks, to Elizabeth Prefontaine, um, founder of Octonomics. Uh, and uh, just a Bitcoiner that's hopped on my my radar recently has been putting out some incredible content uh, on her blog by the name Octonomics. She's been syndicating that on the the Knox blog as well. Um, so Elizabeth, I think we should start um, basically just getting uh, to know you a little bit more. What were you doing before Bitcoin? How did you find Bitcoin? Mm-hmm. Oh, hi. It's, a, it's a pleasure to uh, to meet with you and uh, to, to your audience. I, um, in a nutshell, I started working at 11 years old. So I had my first steady job at 11 years old. So I got acquainted with uh, financial independence uh, quite early on. I kept it until I was 14 and then started working in the financial service industry uh, at 17. So I was a cashier in a, in a bank branch where I'm therefore old enough to have cashed a physical coupon bond in a bank branch. Like it's very, it's, it happened only once, but also I have seen like uh, all the, the banking before internet was even a thing. And yet I'm young enough to have picked on Bitcoin. So there's a lot of financial technology, innovation, uh, innovation in between. And there were lots of uh, parallels when I've discovered Bitcoin in the boiling ecosystem that, uh, made me go back in time into the thing of internet banking and online banking and virtual banking. You know, when it was was it was cool at the time. So there was there was a uh, parallels there. So it's I uh, the background is twenty five years uh, of financial service industry experience, including. Uh, online banking, capital markets, swaps, uh, swaps, derivatives, swaps, and bonds, and also uh, investments such as uh, edge funds and ETFs. Wow! Started working at eleven. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think we can dive in here. Particularly, you recently spent two years, I believe, attempting to start a fintech startup, and really became acquainted with the the rough world of regulations and trying to create new financial technologies uh, within the incumbent financial system. Uh-huh. Uh, the the name of the app was escaping me right now. Great. Um, I, I didn't spend two years. I say in, in, in FinTech startup, I understood something very quick is fail fast by mm-hmm. testing the most difficult assumption first. And is what I did. I, I wish Rative was a was a failed uh, uh, business because at least I could have learned something. And the only takeaway from Rative I was able to to get is how profoundly corrupt the, the financial system industry is. Like that was really my last attempt at making things right for the for the end customer by increasing drastic transparency on the financial service industry and then i got to realize very quickly that incumbents regulators nobody has interest in uh transparency and they can cherry pick innovators they can literally chip so i so that's why uh when you have permissioned innovation, it's a no-go. Like there's no, there's no, there's no innovation, and uh, I found I grew very frustrated by them because 
if, if you're not able to have transparency on the very job you're selling project, essentially what Rative was about is I wanted to know who are the best investment advisors, not with words, with numbers. They are finance professional portraying themselves as money managers and uh, institutional money managers have statistics, but uh, retail advisors like wirehouses, RIAs, there's no, there's no statistics where you from, from an end customer point of view, okay, where do I rank versus my peers? Not in blah, 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 but in hard truth, mathematical, statistical, basic quantitative methods. And I uh, grew um, very upset with the local market. I'm in Canada, so there are only six banks and 85% of wealth is controlled by a small number of institutions. So after you've, you've knocked at four or five doors, that's it. Like there's, you are not building screw you and then and then even don't try to look at this globally it's, it's just not happening oh that was my failed short fast failed attempt at trying to make the a, a, a leg, legacy style fintech business and what were some of the the particular pain points that you ran into obviously you said they, these the incumbent industry doesn't want to be transparent and it's sort of hard to become a member of the club uh what, what do you think this is just uh, a product of complacency in, in, in the RIA, RIA space, particularly they're, they're able to just put things on cruise control and, and assist off fees for a while. You think it's just, no, I they, well, our RIAs, I think are, 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 have a good gig because they're registered independent advisor. Okay. And I think that they are out, that they have a potentially more leeway and terms of uh, venturing into uh, uh, really portfolio management and they don't have like this big wirehouses pre-selecting pre-selecting products however the requirements to become an RIA versus the Canadian equivalent is much lower in the US the point is perhaps you're a superstar at managing money perhaps you're not but there's no way of there's no way of knowing it so the the the, the, the roadblocks were that you need to ask permission to have access to the data and then the, there's the, to have uh, to empower and, cust and customers. So really, I've tried to launch it in in, the, in Canada, and it is the, the the canonical answer was not a strategic priority. Well, how can knowing if you're doing your job well that the job that people are paying you for not being a strategic priority? This should be there from the base layer design, and so they're just making money of people's money without any accountability. And they, they deserve way, they, they have way too much trust placed in them for really uh, what it is. And I, I, um, I, I stumbled onto the complacency uh, at the, also at the regulator where they said, bah, if banks don't have to do it, they won't do it. So, okay, well, wait, wait a minute. Who's, who's, looking at, who's looking at the end customer here? No one. And then there was a technological roadblock. I t just within the institutions themselves, sharing information, uh, sharing data is, is complicated. And then you have all those, say it's, it's a bit, it's, it's an IT infrastructure that was built before the internet. It's, it felt not suited for the internet anymore. And it's just like, there's a financial institution in Canada here that has 4,500 people working in the IT department, and it's a, oh. it's a small it's, it's a small institution. 4,500 people working for the IT department, and yet their entire database has been leaked for $500 worth of chicken delivery gift card. It's a, it's a big joke. It's a <laughs> big joke. Like this represents like 
50% of Quebec people's identity have been breached in that single event. And yet they're not able to compute a standard deviation in an investment account. It's ridiculous. That's insane. And we're actually, um, the pain points of the incumbent financial system built on tech from the 70s and 80s has really come to light now as people are being forced to work from home. And a lot of these trading desks have, have a lot of manual uh, processes that they have to handle in-house, uh, back office processes that people need to physically be at the office by the uh, the infrastructure, the the servers to to actually settle this stuff at the end of the day. It's not built for, for a work from home internet age. Um, so I guess how do you, did your experience uh, w- with attempting to make this FinTech product sort of uh, push you to search for alternatives and that's how you find Bitcoin? Was Bitcoin on your radar no, before no, this? No. It was it was at the radar at the same time. I met someone. I, I volunteered for three years at the Technological Innovation Advisory Committee of the local regulator to uh, bring the perspective of uh, non-bank-owned fintech. Uh, and I met someone there uh, who uh, introduced me to, to Bitcoin. So I had already it got onto my radar uh, three years ago. And he, he uh, essentially showed me how it worked. At the same time, I was trying my last attempt in the, the legacy system. When I saw that, I saw Bitcoin, it reminded me of an experience I had in the 1990s. I was part of a, a M-Banks, which was Bank of Montreal's attempt to become the first virtual bank in the world. Like we're in 1996, 1997. And it was a all cool, beautiful website, a very uh, avant-garde. And uh, it, it, it t- totally failed. So that's why people never, never, heard, never heard about it. It was too ahead of time. And there was, there was um, a beautiful front end, but no back end. And I remember, and I remember, and I remember that. So when I saw when I saw Bitcoin, uh, I I did not understand it at all at first. Like he he did a transaction, he showed me, and I said, I don't understand it all. I don't see a glossy website, but I see a tech that's working. And if there's only ten percent of what you're telling me that's true, this is huge. This is huge. And, and then I started just peeling and peeling and digging and understanding the various, the various aspects. And, um, and um, I, I am profoundly grateful for, for, for Bitcoin. I'm profoundly grateful. I'm grateful that it exists. And I saw Earth connected, like people on Earth connected through uh, the censorship resistant, borderless technology that cannot be stopped and I was uh, enlightened and hopeful uh, because, because of it um, because I clearly see that the previous previous system doesn't provide the as, as rich as end of his useful life in a sense but that was before I understood money huh. and that was before I understood money that's just the technological infrastructure and then as a, as a, as a finance, a highly trained finance professional, I'd say a parrot in the end, right? We all really, really well versed into repeating what I was supposed to repeat and spitting out formulas on piece of paper. I uh, started studying other, other perspective and that other perspective, I wondered why this was not available in my 
school courses uh, and it made much more sense to me. But I had to de-learn and relearn stuff. So that's why I think finance professional in general are at, are at a disadvantage when it comes to learning uh, Bitcoin. Yeah, no, somebody was in finance uh, as well. There was definitely a lot of deprogramming. Somebody studied economics in college and was, was force-fed the neoliberal Keynesian view of the world. There was definitely some deprogramming that was necessary. And so what were the steps that you took to understand money? Like how, how did this uh, understanding happen for you? Uh, reading uh, Nick Zabo's uh, Shelling Out, The Origin, was, uh, was one of them. I really enjoyed also um, uh, the primer on Austrian economics. Uh, I, I, I listened, I, I read the, the Bitcoin Standard by Safe Dynamos. Uh, and it just, just started to, to reflect. And when, when, you think that the, when you think that a sip of scotch can be money, into the right into the right circumstance, uh, then you have a different uh, the, 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 the forgot the barterability and then just re 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 looking at the things uh, differently and the, the debasement, the monetary policy, the central banks, and and so on and so forth. Uh, was yeah, no, it's crazy that we're born into this world. We're taught that it runs a certain way, and then the most important tool, I would argue, money money and monetary good as a tool at the end of the day nobody really understands and that that's what was one of the most enlightening things for me uh, about Bit learning about bitcoin was oh my gosh people don't even understand money and that's all they care about there was a there was a, a phd economist uh, uh and and teacher okay locally who wrote an opinion piece in the paper two years ago and he said he's He's a PhD economist and he teaches to people. He said, $20 is, well, $20 will always be $20. Should it be in one, three, five, 10 years because it's backed by the Bank of Canada? I was like, <laughs> what? What? What are you saying? Like, it's just absurd, absurdity. And the Bank of Canada sold all of its gold reserves slowly over mm -hmm. time, too, correct? Oh, but just the passage, the passage, the, 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 the printing, and uh, just just look at how much food you were able to buy in the seventies with twenty dollars, and what what you, twenty dollars buys today is just just that you see that it's a the, nom the nominal versus real. And so I was just shocked that uh, an economist with the well-paid, the state-funded, the pension fund would be allowed to to uh, say such an opinion. That's that's absolutely false. Yeah, it's not even an opinion. It's just a falsehood. <laughs> There's a falsehood. Yeah. yeah. Um, a credible, a credible mainstream media opinion falsehood. Yeah. Well, that's the other beauty of Bitcoin. It's, it's helping us realize that there are a bunch of intellectual yet idiots out there that really don't understand what they're talking about. And, and that is, I think, what you're getting to in the beginning of this episode when you're describing your, your uh, experience trying to start a startup within this system that people really don't care and they're sort of uh, a strong incentive for cognitive dissonance that just hey this is working for me up to this point it's working well don't don't ruin it for me um uh -huh. i don't care i don't care about the uh the the actual integrity of the system but let me be good and virtue and signal virtue by saying that I'm inclusive of diversity. We've got the women on board. We look like the YMCA. We are good people. But no, don't, don't, don't stick out. Don't be different. Don't try stuff. 
it's permissioned innovation. Let's just be contained. Like, ask permission, and then we'll we'll grant you if you wanted to to do it. Like play play with us, and uh, that's just not that's just not how innovation can occur. And 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 Bitcoin is um, is permissionless innovation. You didn't ask her. Obviously, the, the, when you when you look, I, I think when you look look back at the, what, what happened. The, Need to be grateful of all the those years of research and development that that led to that. There are like when you read the stuff like a crypto manifesto and the very very uh, um, forward thinking people of 10, 20, 30 years ago. Uh, so we're very grateful for the all the R and D and the thought process they they went through. And I think that everybody that ends up in Bitcoin has his own little story, own little angle, but the. The, the important thing is that we that that it exists, <laughs> that it exists, and it allows us to be connected with that. Bitcoin is, and that is enough. Bitcoin uh, that is enough. And like I was saying earlier, you've just hopped on my radar um, more recently because of the content you've been putting out, which has been incredible. Thank you for producing it. Uh, and one of one of um, one of the best piece pieces you've put out, which I think we should dive into is why Bitcoin is not a security. And it's basically just a good article to send um, uh, individuals who, who think it may be security and describing why Bitcoin is special. Uh, you don't really come out and say it outright. I don't believe in the article, but you describe Bitcoin's immaculate inception and how it's probably impossible to replicate via Bitcoin 2.0, 3.0 at this mm -hmm. point, because any further iteration is, is going to be centralized. Well, the, the, the objective, it was, um, to, put, to put some context, I, last year, uh, the Canadian securities regulator uh, wanted to, Canadian securities regulator and IROC, which is a self-regulated organization, well, essentially the banks, bank regulator, securities regulator, a proposal where they wanted to regulate a crypto asset platform. But they are not the. Um, it, it, it looked like a regulatory regulatory capture. That's that's really what it looked like, and they um, were purposely bundling everything together, and they were putting Bitcoin with all the cryptocurrencies, crypto asset, crypto kitty, with the, all the shit coinery. They were putting all that uh, all that together. And, and the other cryptocurrencies that are indeed securities are, I, I'll carve out a little something for them in the sense that I don't see value in that, but that's people who want to um, <laughs> remove all the scammers and stuff. I think the only positive message I was sent there is, hey, we're trying to get organized globally to raise kids in global crowdfunding. I think that's what the, that's what the, the message was, but there was a, uh, completely missing what the technology is and i don't see i don't see value in it but regulators and the bankers and the blockchainers wanted it to be a thing and i uh saw that canadian it, it, i knew that what the regulators wanted to do would change nothing to bitcoin they, they it would do nothing to bitcoin the only people who would be armed are the Canadian Canadian people who would have lower services, lower development? It's, that's the only thing they would achieve. So that's why I I, I wrote I took a personal time to to write a, a long piece of which the article is an is an extract 
to demonstrate that Bitcoin is just not under their turf, like it's just not in their regime. They have no business in the, in doing that. And the more you dig into Bitcoin, and my article was not trying to define what Bitcoin is. I'm just way too humble, and I will uh, I, I would not attempt to, to 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 define it, but rather to explain why it is not a security and therefore not under securities uh, securities regulator. And uh, I think. Uh, even if they were to put it as a security, which it, which it's demonstrated, and even the, the Securities Exchange Commission said it's not, uh, the only thing they would achieve is to stall local development and stall people and just further uh, make other jurisdiction benefit from that from that development. It would we we uh, we as Canadian would be the net net losers of uh, of that. Yeah, you'd be on the wrong side of the jurisdictional arbitrage that's playing out. Yeah, and it's a pure it's a pure emotional reaction that they're doing. It's it's a pure because there was a Quadriga CX, like a, an exchange. A guy uh, went to die on air quotes <laughs> in India. Whatever the story was, like e e e um, two hundred and fifty million vanished, right? And so regulators, we need to do something about this. Well, that's, that's an emotional reaction because if you don't understand the technology you're dealing with, you don't understand the differences and you, you think that uh, fraud or if, if regulators think that fraud or incompetence can be regulated away, they're stupid, right? Both fraud is fraud by definition. It's already illegal by a code of law, right? And incompetence cannot be regulated against because that would mean like cannibalizing themselves. <laughs> <laughs> right well, and instances like this uh really highlight the need for education i mean Bit the need for education bitcoin is uh, basically an alien technology and people are so used to uh the incumbent system where again there's centralized control and uh there's ways to to get your money back if if fraud does happen but the nature of Bitcoin being a digital bear asset really uh, should force people to, to rethink how they interact with this system particularly, but they just assume uh, that it acts like the traditional system. And so there's, there's a level of education needed to, to get people to a certain point to have an aha moment and, and understand this. Well, I think also that uh, if we go back at one of the key characteristics of Bitcoin is that it's, a, it's one way, it's forward. There's no, there's no charge back, right? You cannot, you cannot reverse a transaction, and 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 you are about to do that digitally without um, an independent third party, and that's not sufficiently appreciated. Uh, when you because um, I will comment for Canadian credit cards, but here, if there's a fraud on your credit card, you get reimbursed, right? Yeah, so good, good job to to make people more responsible. Oh no, it's okay if uh, say I'll be I'll be reimbursed. Well, everybody pays those those frauds, right? It's passed by by the banks and the merchant and the fees and they, we we all everybody pays. Everybody that uses a credit card uh, pays for that because it's put in the merchant price. The merchant price increases the goods or services it sells and and so, so on and so forth. So when you think that the, all those uh, identity breach 
that have been that to name it. There's been so much identity identity breach. Uh, our credit card model is still holding up. So back, what does Bitcoin do? Like it's uncensorable, one way, no charge back payment. And just for that component, I think is is a, um, a, a prowess. Like it's a very important uh, characteristic. And people focus on the the, the price swing. Price is, is not completely irrelevant because it's part of the financial incentivization. We all like to, to know that there's sufficient ashing power backing the security and so on and so forth. But I think there's been a misplaced attention on, on the price and not enough on what it does. No, uh, and it's hard. We're humans, right? We're, we're uh, addicted to short term, especially in, in, in today's day and age where we live on consumerism and, short-term thinking and uh we're in a high velocity trash economy the price swings are really grab people's attention but like you were mentioning the innovation of bitcoin being a push system and not a pull system is massive and um as somebody who's been in the financial sector for almost 30 years now how does this change people's interactions with with merchants with uh potential banks in the future how does this empower or um, uh, disadvantage people potentially uh, in this new system? Well, I, I think that uh, right, right now the, the legacy system still functions, right? It still, it still operates uh, decently well and there's the understanding of the, the, the value of money and the printing, so we'll leave that aside. But so far, people are able to wire by, uh, by email, they're able to use their credit card, they're able to use ATM, but uh, the, it's the, the what if, what if I don't have access to that? And what we've seen recently, uh, if I look at the financial market, um, you've, and, and I compare with Bitcoin, no central bank intervention. They didn't. It's a Bitcoin during all that turmoil. No central bank intervention. No short. No short circuit. No stock. No stock market closure. Uh, operated the 24 seven 365. Does exactly what it's supposed. What it's supposed to do, uh, without uh, repo. Without etc. etc. So I think it's severely under, underappreciated how much the legacy system needs plumbing, fixing, and interventions, interventions, interventions. That started way before Corona. Like the, the repo oh, yeah. market, the repo market was hiccuping since uh, last fall. Right, so these these were and, and the curve invest uh, the curve inversed like I think twelve months ago. So these these were all signals signals ahead of time. So more 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 intervention. Bitcoin, beautiful, does what it's supposed to do. Yes, other than the price, nothing nothing has changed. It does exactly what it's supposed to do. So what it changes for for consumer merchant adoption, uh, I, I think that there's a, an education curve. Um, for uh, in individual people to understand how it works. And uh, I try to do that as much as possible. They, locally, they know people uh, know that I um, support and accept Bitcoin. I help with showing transaction where to buy and to, to onboard people. But it's still seen as crazy. It's still seen as crazy. It yeah. is still seen as crazy. It is, it is still very early, but I think 
it is important to circle back on the fact that interventions have been happening uh, pretty aggressively since last fall with the repo markets, particularly uh, a lot of people are going to blame coronavirus on this big slowdown and in, in the market failure where it really is just a spark that lit a bunch of fuel that's been building up for, for quite some time. Um, in culprit. Excuse me. Convenient, culp- convenient culprit. Yes, exactly. And that's one thing that's on my mind right now is, is how do we, like a lot of people are going to blame Corona. How do we, how do we get through to people that this, this Corona was only uh, the impetus for laying bare the, the problems that have been systemic throughout the system? Well, I, I think it, uh, I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't tackle it, tackle it this way. Uh, Corona is is an emotional uh, is an emotional reaction like to to population like right now people are uh, not there's I think that there's a high level of general anxiety Uh, lots lots of unknown let's say that they are are it requires empathy a lot of empathy and and because it's uh, emotional people are scared we are completely in uncharted uncharted territory. We've uh, both from a, a pandemic uh, uh, standpoint, economic. Very aggressively doing um, interventions. This doesn't change the Cantillon effect. This doesn't change the Cantillon effect, which means that people that are closest to the money printing will benefit first. So what happens down the road? If everybody's, yeah, you may throw helicopter money at people, they will feel good momentarily, but they will not go back to restaurants and spend their, they they may hoard it, or they may realize that the price of goods has significantly increased. Like that's, that's, and that's why I say, wow, why is my money, why is my money buying so, so few goods? So, so few of what I need. And then people get to understand uh, the notion of, uh, of inflation and currency dilution. And, uh, they, they, and for, for example, my, my local currency, Canadian dollar, has been trashed. Like we've lost so much. So imagine what we need to import. Like price, people will feel the price. And I think that there will be the, be- the best moment, yes, to, to explain how you can uh, store in something, something in, in, in an alternative, right? Yeah. And it is heavy. Like how, how bad do you think things get, uh, this time around? Do you think, you think, uh, here, I mean, I, I am very American centric just because of the fact I live in the U S and so that's, who's always on my mind, the feds reaction. And then our, our federal government's reaction. Do you think the U S federal reserve this time around can really, uh, keep the system, persisting in stasis as they did after the 2008 crisis um, or have things gotten too out of hand at this point? I don't, I don't, I, I, I don't know. Uh, I, but I don't uh, want to think of a really catastrophic scenario because I want people to have the time to have uh, an alter, an alternative. I think there's an intermediary step where the Fed will try everything they can in their model without going to negative interest rates that I don't think the U.S. will do. But I think it will be a concerted effort both on the tax breaks, uh, helicopter money, 
they have already taken their rates to zero, the printing, the playing with the, the, the reserve rates and, and, and so on and so forth. They will play with all the levers. But uh, Powell, John Powell had, had already hinted a few months ago that they were running out of ammunitions. So if they're, they're running out of ammunitions, that means that if they've, they've got to the end they, they've got to the end of what they were, of what the model, model is. When you take rates to zero, and if you look at the history of, of previous crisis, I'll, I'll just go through the history of while I was working. I went through long-term capital management, the, techno, the tech bubble, the real estate, the mortgage, uh, the, the squeeze in 08, uh, and this one. And... It felt like um, like a long-term capital management was the edge fund, the overlever slash fraud, the overlevered, um, and then the techno bubble, and it was it was sectorial, right? It was not a widespread in the economy, and that's what's uh, so worrying right now is that now the main street will feel it, right? Previously, it was the Wall Street that felt it. Now, main street is feeling it, and it's feeling it in all sectors. Yeah. And people are in debt. People are in debt, and that's what—that's what is—that—that's uh, what worries me. Worries me the most because how do we reconstruct and rebuild? And people, uh, bored people with uh, not enough money, not not lots of money ahead, scared, anxiety, <laughs> with times uh, stuck at home. Like I'm, 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 I'm afraid that people may develop bad habits. Right? We need to stay uh, uh, in good shape and uh, and healthy. So. The prediction, the prediction is we'll come out of that, uh, but it, it's going to take long. And and how that I don't know. Yeah, yeah, no, we are in uncharted territories, and that's really the the most saddening thing about the situation with the coronavirus shutting everything down and people being asked to stay home for two weeks at least, potentially more, potentially a couple months. It's really highlighting the fact that people don't have savings most people your average joe does not have a savings account a rainy day fund to to weather this storm and that's even being percolated up the ladder to, to small businesses and even larger businesses like boeing uh the mm-hmm. the the incentivization of our system has made it so people don't have savings and this is i mean bailouts like how the population will react to bailouts like they don't, I don't think the populate that the, I don't think most people or many have connected that. Yeah, you're saving those big corporations with your own money, right? It's uh, yeah. you socialize, you democratize, you you the gain just to just a few, and then you socialize the loss, but they don't feel it because we have economists saying that twenty dollars is twenty dollars, so they don't see the digits change in their in their bank account. If anything, they're going to get helicopter money, which increases the number of digits in their bank account. But they don't. They, so, so it's a, a manipulative scheme where they enrich again the, the the riches and the cronies. Just let just let those business go down, and then someone else will pick it up with capital, and they'll they'll do it. They'll do a a, um, a new model. But that's hard, and that's when and when people are emotional, uh, you cannot tell them, yeah, you're just going to be. A, cold shower and then we rebuild yeah no it's it's disgusting seeing trump talk about bailing out the cruise line uh, industry right now like something that's completely i don't think it's, uh, trump, i don't think it's trump specific i think it's any politicians right now 
I don't yes. think there's good. I yeah. don't think it, I absolutely don't think it's Trump uh, specific. And they and it is the normal move in the system it operates in. Like that. That's how things work. I'm not saying that this, uh, but they they will they will all do that uh, because that's that's what they do. They want uh, voters to sustain that uh, societal organization. Yeah, no, that's a very good point. It highlights the, the different incentive structures that exist uh, between the incumbent system and now Bitcoin, where Bitcoin, I think it's the most beautiful incentive system ever, ever created. Uh, it just, it, it exists and creates this beautiful feedback loop where uh, everybody's somewhat forced to cooperate for, for the better good of the system. And uh, at the end of the day, the better good of each individual within the system. And yeah. So do you think Bitcoin's ready if we had to transition to Bitcoin right now? Do you think uh the network and the the stacks above it are are ready? I mean I, I personally think we, we need a little bit more time, but are are you happy with where Bitcoin is at this given point in time, being eleven years old, um uh the the technology at the protocol level and the things being built on top of it? Well, I'm I'm super proud of what it has it has achieved. I'm very proud of what it has achieved. I'm uh, grateful, grateful it exists. Uh, more time will always be uh, always be needed. But it it it. Uh, but during this uh, crisis, uh, if Bitcoin weathers that, can you imagine after it will say, yeah, it, it weathered, it weathered Corona, no closure, twenty four seven, etc., etc., etc. Now, is it ready for a a, a massive uh, onboarding i would like to see the ash rate uh, which is already high but much higher much much higher like and that that will that will build through time with the economic equilibrium built uh, built into it uh, but i would uh, i would like to see it uh, consuming more 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 energy you're gonna boil the oceans though Oh, yes. We're going to go to the ocean, of course. <laughs> so of course. this is a good transition into um, something in Quebec, uh, Hydro-Quebec particularly. They seem to misunderstand uh, the incentives of Bitcoin. So what was the situation there? They, they Miners were allowed to use the excess energy from Hydro-Quebec to mine at very low prices but then once it hit a certain scale uh, the government sort of enacted taxes that made it unprofitable and pushed push miners away yeah, i'll tell you i'll tell you the story because uh, i was pretty close to that but before just on the boil of the ocean when you understand bitcoin bitcoin is the cleanest technology and when it's on un- when it's understood that you don't spend bitcoin on trash on disposable stuff and that you are much more deliberate into what you're buying and you're going for the higher quality longer lasting you're much more prudent with your your expenditure then we may solve uh, <laughs> Uh, a lot of the environmental concern uh, of uh, consu- consumption society. I think Bitcoin is super green. I just think it's just not understood. Yes. Now I like to say Bitcoin is the real green new deal. I, I do. I do think so. Yes. Yes. But it, and and uh, the anyway. Let's just let's go back to the mining in in, in Quebec. Uh, the story goes like that. Um, there we, here in Quebec, we have uh, hydroelectricity, so renewable renewable power, and we have yearly surpluses. 
uh, Hydro-Quebec, the state-owned um, energy provider, was actively uh, trying to do business development with both data center and miners. Uh, they were so, so successful in their endeavors that too many demand came uh, all at once and they didn't know what to do. Their claims is that they received for 18,000 megawatts of demand, where Quebec's capacity at peak is, is 40,000 megawatts. So they were claiming that uh, miners wanted to have uh, wanted to have half of our power, and so they went to the government. Government did not understand cryptocurrency, and uh, with one decision says no, we're going to do a moratorium decree and uh, crank price by three times and put all this bureaucratic administrative whatever. So there was a public uh, public audience in front of Quebec Energy Board, and you should have seen the people that showed up. Like it was packed. It was all the uh, all the entrepreneurs of uh, small, medium, larger size that that they say, "Hey, we you have you have extra power. We want to buy the power. We don't. We're not asking for any." government subsidy. We're not asking to pay cheaper than other clients. You are actively uh, soliciting us. We want to, we, we want to operate in, in Quebec. And then uh, because of that one, Mr. Moreau, uh, that Minister Moreau uh, really did, did not want to understand um, what uh, the energy, what, what it was about, which it doesn't need to understand. There's no electricity police anyway. So they, there was lots of people that showed up in the, um, uh, the, that public audience and everybody was super upset. There were so many people, they had to put in another room and then the 18 months of bureaucratic, administrative, governmental BS, mining went elsewhere. And so... Yeah. So what, what is a shame is Quebec still has energetic surpluses that are, that are going to waste. We're, we're trying to catch deals with our neighbors to, to sell that, uh, that uh, extra, extra electricity. And then this Agile uh, Quebec was claiming that they received 18,000 megawatt of, of demand, and now they're barely able to fill 300. <laughs> Please explain what... The, happened between 18,000 and 300. And it's, oh, the demand has been smaller than expected. Inaccurate, false, bullshit. The mining, the, the ashing power has been deployed elsewhere. Over that same period, it more than, uh, I think it's 12x, 12 to 14x the ashing power on the Bitcoin network. So it's not true that demand was lower. It just, the business went elsewhere along with the, the, the revenues, the tax, the jobs, the, 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 just be, being able to develop locally. So. Yeah, no, they got priced out. And then, so there was a thread that I was a part of and uh, it was a bunch of, uh, yourself included, Montreal citizens uh, debating in French. And from what I could gleam at one point, somebody from Hydro-Quebec said, there, there, there wasn't enough miners. Like, even if you wanted to consume that energy, people want to have enough miners to bring it, which, which seemed like a, a straw man as well. Oh no, there, there. I don't think their objective was to understand. Like, they wanted, they wanted all cryptocurrency to be a consuming of energy. They, I, sometimes when I, when I look back, I really wonder were they, they were they well uh, informed. Who was informing them? They, could there be someone that told them, no, no, don't worry, Bitcoin is 
boiling the ocean, we have something better that doesn't consume energy, that Bitcoin is just a fad. Well, w whatever it is, have they, how can they be in a position to decide which business have access to electricity or not, right? Um, I think it's a dangerous, uh, dangerous rope. And, and in the end, they, they've put the condition so miners can, can come here, but it took so long. Like you snooze, you lose. You snooze, you right. lose. Business went, business went elsewhere, and now uh, that's it. So. Yeah, and how could, how could miners ever trust them not to, not to do what they did the first time around? Right? Like why would you invest that much capital into an operation with the the uh, the uh, unknown of the Canadian government coming in and just stopping at any given point in time. With one comment from one minister, he was able to triple the rate and drag them into this long process. Uh, I've seen cool projects here, like I've seen like a cool prototypes. People wanted to try stuff with the heat, with the with the energy consumption, with all sorts of stuff. That's that's all gone. All that innovation is just not happening here. But but let's be all happy. We have a minister of innovation. I feel so much better. Like I feel so much better. We have at the government level a minister of innovation. That that sh that should save us all. <laughs> well, really, it really highlights the the uh, conflict of top down versus bottom up. Bitcoin's very bottom up emergent, mm -hmm. and these centralized governments and systems are very top down. And I think people are beginning to wake up that this is not not a way to run stuff micromanaging whole economies from the top down just doesn't work it creates uh roadblocks and really stifles innovation like you just described so do you have any hope for canada sort of moving away from uh, the policies uh, that have been uh, the norm for the last decade no no <laughs> no no i i really don't i don't see uh... I don't see ch things changing here. And I think that in the 10, 15, 20 years from now, just like the, you know, imagine if, if we go back in 1994, okay, and imagine like uh, Google and the, those internet companies wanted to build a data, data center in middle, like in prime, prime land downtown data center, they would have said no. Now, they, now 25 years later, they are uh, providing tax breaks, tax break, red carpet, subsidies. They all want those businesses. That's exactly what will happen. And in 10, 5, 10, 15 years, the businesses, uh, the, the Bitcoin business will have developed elsewhere. And there, there won't be service lo locally or will be serviced by uh, the tax revenues will, will be elsewhere. And they'll be upset, uh, just like the media, right? The media are struggling. I think the same thing to find a banking, financial is, is happening uh, than, than, than in the media. And... Uh, I I, uh, I hope that there's uh, more, more ways to create, and I think it will always be ways to create. Uh, but I think that's why it's important to, when there's a possibility to push back, like, like when I wrote uh, why Bitcoin is not a security, it's important to stand out and push back. Like this, uh, this is not, not for them to regulate. It will just arm us more. Yeah. It's uh, no, and thank you for pushing back. And it's actually sort of ironic because some of the, the most creative Bitcoiners are in Canada. You have Rodolfo Novak with Cold Card, you have Francis Paulette with Bull Bitcoin, 
yourself uh, with all the work that you've been doing, the content you've been putting out. Uh, it, it, some of and all the others you don't see and all the others that are invisible. Right? Yeah. And now I feel, I feel for my Canadian friends uh, up, up north. And I mean, we, we don't have, or I don't think our problems are as bad as, uh, as yours may be here in America. But um, I do, I do, uh, I do hope that we, we are able to avoid uh, sort of reactionary policies in our government. And luckily we've had a few representatives stand up on Capitol Hill and defend Bitcoin, but uh, it's more than defend. It's more than defend Bitcoin is to defend your constitution. Right. Is to defend, is, is to defend the fundamental rights, right? And as there's a new, uh, as there's a new onboarding, this needs to be defended. This cannot be taken for granted. Like you weren't born with these, uh, these were fought, fought for. And I think that's, that's, that's what's at stake. And I think that in situations like we are right now in Corona, people are emotional and that's dangerous for um, increased control and reduced liberties. No, I agree. And I think that's why it's important. And I really appreciate your pretension to define Bitcoin because uh, that's a problem we have here in the States across regulatory agencies. It's defined differently. It's either a commodity or currency, but really it should be speech at the end of the day, right? Yeah, uh, so this it's is software. It's all software. Software is speech. That's it. Yeah. It's a this database. Something... Yeah. This is something Beauty On really pushes on and and uh, I sort of kick myself when I when I call it money, even though it can be used as money and leveraged as money. At the end of the day, it is simply a messaging protocol with scarce information space. Yeah, and I think uh, Beautyon's work uh, has been instrumental to my understanding. And I go back and reading what he wrote, like stuff he wrote before I was even aware that Bitcoin existed. And then it's I think his his perspective is. Uh, extremely valuable yes he's harsh and he should, he should, and he should be like he should be okay totally calls us out like i not that i must admit it we, we don't like nobody likes to be beaten up but they when deserve it's it's a, i'm grateful that he does that no i am too and i think i think coronavirus is finally going to force me to interview him uh remotely i've i've had many conversations with beauty on in the past and I always thought we were going to meet up for beers in Brooklyn and talk in person, but I, I don't see that happening anytime soon. So I'm going to have to reach out to him again and get him on here to get his view. Because again, it is, he is, he is very harsh. He is very hard on people, but uh, the stakes are so high that I don't think, I don't, I don't blame him for being harsh. Like, oh, we he's need... harsh, but he's right. right? He, may, he may be a pain, but he's right. And that's the best compliment you can get. You're a pain, but you're right. That's it. You know, it's a. Uh... Yeah, no, and it's, it's uh, no, we're lucky to have him. But, but yeah, and that's the other weird thing about today. Like, like you're you're talking about virtue signaling. Everybody, nobody don't like. A lot of people don't like to hear the hard truths that the beauty ons of the world put out there. It hurts their feelings, um, which is something we need to get away from as well. Well, that's something you will need to deal with individually. It's, uh, so if you cannot take criticism and you cannot self-reflect, then that's your individual problem. Work on yeah. it. Yeah, 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 no. I, uh, I, 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 I wish, that I, 
I wish I had nailed everything and knew everything and wouldn't commit a mistake. Of course not. Of course not. You know, say I will. I will do mistakes. I just want to do no harm, and I hope to minimize the the amount of mistakes and minimize the amount of uh, of, of of magnitude. Uh, but I think it's important to just continue reading, studying, enriching ourselves, and 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 someone calling you out is actually a compliment because the person cares. Yeah. And view it as a compliment. Yeah. And to use a cheesy analogy, you're only as strong as your weakest link Mm. uh, in this blockchain world. So uh, being harsh and critical on each other is important to, to make us as strong as possible at the end of the day. But it wouldn't. But it doesn't fit well with people with the corporate culture of we need to be nice and all in agreement and have this cohesive view of this beautiful world. Like it's uh, and uh, when I worked on the trading desk, right back in the early two thousand, they uh, swap desk, bond desk is a uh, no country club, right? It's it's oh. harsh, it's harsh, it's what have you done for me lately? It's a country the crap it's it's cutthroat it's really cutthroat and then finance has become this beautiful more a common pool everybody's nice we need to have those common values i don't know what that what would happen but if you suck you go down and you and you fold you're not being picked up in this common pool like you fold that's it tough yeah. luck Woke capital has made it to the investment banking world. Goldman Sachs is not going to IPO companies that don't have a diverse enough boardroom. What a bullshit thing that was. Okay. And, and, and I covered that in my newsletter and someone wrote to me and he said, well, what about a gay white man who doesn't want to make it come out, coming out? Are you going to force me to make it coming out so I can IPO because you need that virtue signaling? And, and I, I once said, to, to, it, it, this, is, this is so wrong. It's like saying, we look like the YMCA, so we are diverse and we are worthy of doing that. Well, I don't uh, think is, um, I'm very happy not to be in the corporate world anymore. I just couldn't stand it. I would be, yeah. they would inject me so fast. Like I just, I just couldn't stand it. I'm sorry. Yeah, I'm- I'm unemployable at this at this point too. It's an it's an attack on meritocracy at the end of the day and ideas. Totally, um, totally. I I spoke with a, a financial executive recently. Uh, I I no matter doesn't matter where, but he said, "Oh yeah, no, right now it's more a bo- bonus pool. Um, it's more. Uh, hold on, sorry. My mother, my mother texting me. <laughs> I thought it would. Um, he said that it's now a, a part of a pool, okay? Uh, and people who don't portray the desired behaviors will be negatively impacted. Okay, so who is hungry? If you're not hungry, how will you nail it? How will you progress? How will you be super, super good? How will you go out and hunt? When you have this regime of behavioral, how you're seen, and then that's why you see the the LinkedIn walls with all. Um, I'm, I'm I support women. I support transgender. I support whatever. Can you just support talent and shut up and move on? Like it's just I, I find that absurd. I, yeah, I had to delete my LinkedIn. I couldn't take it anymore. Oh, it's 
and again, I'm unemployable, so it was worthless to me at this point. Um, I am I am amazed at the amount of uh, unemployable, talented people that end up in Bitcoin. I'm amazed at that, and that's what, that 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 sh- that makes me uh, that makes me hopeful. Like uh, to... no, it really does, and it, it's that's another thing that makes me hopeful and long term bullish is the the uh, intellectual capital that is working on this in all realms from the protocol level, the people writing the code and the cryptography that make it work, people building on second layers, whether it be lightning network, liquid, whatever that may be. And then uh, individual content creators like yourself who are helping to educate people um, who, who are looking into this Bitcoin world, like what the hell's going on in there? Uh, It seems like, and that's the beauty of the system too. It's completely decentralized in all facets. Nobody, hired hired you to write this stuff you said hey uh if not me then who uh, somebody needs to to articulate it's voluntary. this yeah and it's um it's beautiful and i think uh we can wrap this up with maybe your thoughts on on what you're looking forward to uh within the bitcoin world in the next six months to a year um is there anything you're excited for anything you're working on particularly that you're excited about well, anything that can help with Bitcoin in the, the in the hand of people, like the the onboarding, helping helping people, making the uh, the, the the everything easier to easier to use, the, making the the nodes easier, making the automatic contribution easier, making privacy easier, like uh, all the development, uh, uh, and also. That's happening uh, with, with the having. We'll see with, with the having uh, how it how it unfolds. But it's 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 amazing that that it's happening at the same time that we're dealing with a global pandemic and reaching the end of the central banking ammunition at the same time that Bitcoin is uh, going into is uh, is the having period. Uh, I uh, I find it uh, find it pretty amazing. So uh, be empathetic but, uh, uh, and open to people who want to learn because never forget that um, uh, it, not everybody is computer super computer savvy and Bitcoin can be intimidating because it feels com- it, it feels technical. Like imagine that you always send stamps on a letter and now you're supposed to use this electronic mail. Well, it, this, this, it can be as, as uh, intimidating. So I think taking the time to share the passion and uh, to uh, uh, do, do a end holding at the different level uh, will be um, beneficial to to most but again that's a voluntary initiative yes and thank you for taking the initiative uh onto yourself and volunteering to help bring bitcoin to the masses elizabeth has been a massive pleasure i really appreciate uh you taking some time to sit down where can we find out more about you um your writings uh and and um just anything you may be working on Uh, octonomics.com so that's O-C-T-O-N-O-M-I-C-S dot com. Uh, I have a weekly newsletter where I curate content. I do little rants and just uh, have, a, have a habit of producing uh, content on the Saturday morning or Sunday morning. That's the, that's the best way to, uh, to, to follow my work. Awesome. And then what your Twitter handle is? Eprefall. Okay. E-pre-fall. I will share that. I will share that in the show notes. Elizabeth, again, thank you. Really appreciate it. Thanks for what you're doing. Uh, I think the freaks are going to love this episode. Um, Peace and love.